Hello and welcome to African Joe Paddy. My name is Ife and I'm recording from sunny and beautiful Luanda in Angola. Angola is a very beautiful country and I'm so excited to be here. Today, we actually do not have a topic because this is the end of the year, December, and I feel that it will be nice for us to conclude the podcast for the year with a reflection of what we have done so far this year. And it has really been a very interesting year. You have followed us through the journey. And in January, um, my co-host, Dr. Bel Habib and I reflected on the year 2021. And there we talked about some of our personal experiences um, as women in, in, in this space, you know, in academia and research and maritime security field in fisheries and in, in the work that we do as women. We reflected on some of the good things and some of the challenges. And well, it might interest you to know that <laughs> those things we mentioned in January are still very much alive. You know, the bullying, the trolling, the intimidation. The only difference is that we have learned not to allow the noise to distract us from doing the meaningful work that we're doing. And we know that it's meaningful because we see the impact. We see how a lot of the issues we discuss or write about or even talk about are then being brought to the fore and the attentions of policy makers, policy implementers, they're talking about it, they're looking at it, they're they looking at it keenly and hopefully will address it. And, and that is thanks to the communities and everyone in the space that we research, including you, our listener, that, that sort of engage with us, that share their knowledge with us, that share their time with us, because of course, Time is very important and all these things is done without um, payment. So you share your knowledge and your time with us without anything in return. And, and because of you, we actually know more about our work. And so, yeah, I, I think at least personally I can speak for me, regardless of some of the things I see that would perhaps maybe intimidate someone else and maybe discourage them from carrying on in the work that they are doing. I am not discouraged because I see the impact of my work. And I think at this point, I also want to translate why I'm still going strong and will forever go strong because there's an African adage. I'm, I'm, I'm Nigerian of Hebrew descent. I think I need to relay that again, but there's this African adage that says that a child, I will say it in Igbo first, you know, a child that is dancing in the forest have a drama, or a child that is dancing has a drama, a secret drama that is beating the music for, for that child. And, and I think this is where I am. For, for anyone that feels um, that perhaps they don't understand how I approach things, how I approach my work and, 
maybe the engagement and everything else that I do. I don't do it because I'm paid, especially a lot of uh, public engagement, including the podcasting and using my social media to you know, draw attention to so many things relating to oceans governance and maritime security on the African continent. But I do it because I so much believe in, you know, people having access to information. Because if you don't, then what is the essence of the information? If the information is not out there, it's likely to be controlled by a select few. And those select few would almost always sort of direct the narrative and so long as i'm concerned a lot of the narrative around oceans governance and maritime security has been quite western centric and so it would be fully of me as a researcher and even an african that engage with so many people that are affected by some of the issues that i write or research about to then not also bring that perspective to the fore it is now up to the people that are interested in the field, the policymakers and everyone else involved to look at the different narratives and then make their decision. And I think, at least personally, this is the biggest motivation for me, that the control, the, the story or the narrative is not controlled by a single source. People are educated enough, hopefully, to, to make up their mind or do further research if they need to. But the most important thing for me, at least as a researcher, and the motivation for not just doing the research and then keep quiet because I've done the hard bit, the motivation for going beyond doing the research and then wanting to engage with community is that I think that is very important that the findings obviously get to the people that matter and hence the motivation. So this is a long way to say that the reflection we had in January 2021 is still very much the same in terms of how things have been working, how, you know, people try to, people try to sort of, I don't know, maybe silence me as a researcher, as a woman, as a black African woman, a proud one at that. And then in February 2022, we had Dr. Andrew Yao Tie to speak to us. He's a senior research fellow at the Norwegian Institute of International Affairs, NUPI, and he, he discussed understanding ad hoc security initiative in Africa. And this episode was quite interesting because it allowed us to see um, all the security initiative that has been instituted to help with um, countering different security issues on the continent. And we discussed a lot of uh, positive things about the ad hoc security initiatives on the continent, the role they play in working for peace in situations of conflict and insurgency throughout the continent, and some of the limitations and recommendations on what can be done differently. And then from, Gen from February, in March, we discussed the impact of COVID on clinical radiography on the African consensus, the African story. This was the topic. And we discussed this with Dr. Tiu 
Akujetu. And here, he highlighted how COVID have significantly impacted with geography, educational activities on the continent, including teaching, research, and clinical placement. Not just on the continent, but also globally, although our emphasis was on the continent. Like most of the globe, the discussion centered on how clinical radiography had been affected by lockdown measures introduced by the government. And it also explored some of the disruptions to clinical radiography caused by COVID and offers suggestions on how to avert future impact. Because of course, we learn from things that are happening to us now so that hopefully we don't repeat the same mistake again. And the essence of this episode was basically to show that even beyond the things we see uh, in terms of the impact of COVID on the economy and socioeconomic livelihood, it has also affected medicine or, or our hospitals or our healthcare services. But in prim- primarily in this case, um, clinical radiography. And this was something that was really well relayed by Dr. Tio. And then in April, we discussed another topic that is very important which is the role and contributions of African women in technology with Ms. Aida Ndiaye. This was a really great um, topic in terms of STEMs, you know, STEM being um, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, um, a, a field that women are underrepresented, but there are women. And then when it comes to the kind of women that are represented, of course, the representation of African women in general is quite limited, but they are there and they are doing amazing work. And this is what this episode in April told us. It also tells us how women nurture the tech ecosystem on the African continent, leading tech hubs and empowering young Africans even though this role has not necessarily been um, recognized as as much as it should. And recommendations were made on, you know, what can be done differently to support the work that is already happening and, and also support them to be better and do better. And then in, in May, we had another interesting um, topic or discussion with um, another interesting conversation about um, the war in Ukraine, the impact of Russia's war in Ukraine on Africa's global ambition and partnership. This was a very important topic for me um, for so many reasons, including the fact that the war in Ukraine, of course, is in far away Europe, but it was having an impact on the African continent, but negative and positive. The negative ones being related to food security and energy security, but at the same time, this negativity has then also spurred the government from the continent to action in realizing why they must do better to grow some of these grains for themselves, in drawing more energy investment to the continent because, well, now so many countries, including those in Europe, have to look elsewhere. So in reflecting about this, we had this discussion with Ms. Lizelle Lau-Vaudrain. 
I hope I got the pronunciation right, um, the senior researcher at the Institute of Security Studies. And her contribution really, at least for me, helped me understand the impact of this war at the global level, but also at the continental level. And importantly, also understand what can be done differently. And the good thing about all these episodes is that you can always go back and, and listen to it again. I, I have listened to a lot of them so many times. And then in June 2022, we discussed um, the impact impacts and trend on, of illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing in Southwest Indian Ocean with Mr. Kosa, Vicente Kosa. And this conversation was really important because as the title indicates, it talks about the impact of IE fishing and the challenges and progress that's been made by um, Southwest Indian Ocean countries, Mozambique in general. He also touched on the cyclical relationship between poverty and deprivation in the coastal areas and the advancement of insurgency in coastal Mozambique. And, and this is actually very important, especially for anyone interested in, in understanding you know, why people might want to respond to, to poverty the way they do negatively by either engaging in crime or something else. This conversation was really useful and fascinating for me because I learned something about a region that I am not too familiar with. But also sort of saw the relationship between this region that I, I am now learning about and the region that I research about, which is uh, Western Central Africa, the Gulf of Guinea. And then in July, we looked at the role of socioeconomic development in conflict prevention and resolution on the African continent with Ms. Teniola Tayo, again of the ICC. Actually, I think at this point, allow me to say a special thank you to IC, ISS, sorry, the Institute for Security Studies. You have been so, you have been so generous to us that we can actually, I think we can, I wonder if we can consider saying that we, we have a partnership with you. I don't know if we can say that, but you have been so generous to us. You know, anytime we reach out to us for a, 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 a subject expert, you are always on hand to refer us to someone that then comes on and, and help us understand the subject really well. So at this point, I want to say Asante Sana. Thank you so much for your generosity. And so, in this month, or within this topic, Ms. Tayo talked about the role of socioeconomic development in conflict prevention and resolution in Africa. And as the name implies, it's sort of the title of a topic, it just went straight to the point to tell us or use examples from Lake Chad Basin to, to tell us or show how working for peace in times of conflict must almost always consider the socioeconomic solutions, you know, especially at a time when the, the Sahel or countries in the Sahel are fighting in this, in, um, fighting insurgency and relying so much on armament, you know, the use of force. This conversation helped us to learn that whilst armament can work, 
it has to be complemented with socioeconomic provisions because a lot of the times the motivation for people getting into violence is not just for the sake of it it's not just for the, uh, for fun but they do it because they have no option or in this case in the case of an insurgency they have been attracted to it by the promise of a better life which a lot of the times um, the insurgents make and then we're halfway in august we discussed the complexities of western return of african stolen artifacts we discussed this topic with Ms. Nusmot Badamosi, who is a, a writer for African um, for Foreign Policy Weekly African Brief, and this conversation was really important because, well, um, as a Nigerian, in recent times there's been so many discussions about the return of stolen artifacts, and and recently actually I think uh, something was signed or an agreement was reached by the British Museum to return some of the Benebros, so which is a great deal, a big deal. So in discussing the complexity of the return of African stolen artifacts, we focused mostly on Benebrons and the complexities around the promise of the return and why return must mean return and not the current shadows of uncertainty surrounding the terms of the return of the stolen artifacts by former colonial masters. And of course, the interesting thing is, I mean, the discussion around this is that there are people that feel or are worried, oh, if they return it, it will not be maintained. Well, it's, it's none of your business. It's not your decision to make uh, that you own a car and ha is not maybe able to maintain it does not mean that someone had the right to come and steal that car from you. So the discussion around how it will be maintained should be left to the countries that who the artifact has been stolen from originally. And from August, we went to September, where we discussed um, overdosing on multivitamin supplement in post-COVID era in Nigeria. And this topic was really interesting because obviously with COVID, people are still trying to help themselves or self-medicate to ensure that they don't get ill because COVID is still very much around us. We had this conversation with Ms. Ifedola Olojo, a clinical pharmacist at the Nigerian Institute of Medical Research, Lagos. And the conversation was really great because it helps us uh, make sense of how some people, how people have been self-medicating on multivitamin, the dangers of it, and what must be done differently by the policy makers to address this issue. And from there, we went to October, where we heard the untold stories of African abolitionists. Like all the topics so far, I absolutely enjoyed this conversation with Mr. Michael Odiche, a research fellow on the African abolitionism program in UCL, University College London. And the interesting thing about this topic for me, I absolutely enjoyed it, is that I learned, as the title implies, of the untold stories of African abolitionists, the women 
that I, I have never read about, the men than uh, the stories that I've never heard about, you know, the role that Africans um, might have played in, 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 in slavery, coerced and uncoerced, or people that have done it because they, they worried of the implication of not working with the slave traders um, for fear and people that did it because, well, they can, they were already in that position. And some of these things were things I did not know. And of course, this conversation motivated me to read more or just sort of try to find out more about some of the names that we heard and, and some of the women as well. And <laughs> some uncomfortable truth. I was really uncomfortable with some of the things like, oh gosh, I couldn't believe it. You know, listening to it, I'm like, oh, really? And, and, you know, having to unlearn some of the things I thought I knew. And it's interesting. I mean, listen to it and yeah, I hope you like it as well. And from October, we go to November, which was last month. And in November, we discussed fishing and insurgency in the Lake Chad Basin, exploring Boko Haram's economy of violence. And we had this conversation with Mr. Malik Samuel. This conversation is, is, is very important, or is very important to me at least, because it sort of aligns with the work that I do and some of the things I know around how deprivation might lead to violence. But also, it also sort of complements the conversation we had with Miss um, Tayo um, earlier in the month, not earlier in the month, a few months back. Um, let me be sure of a month, yeah, in July, about the socioeconomic development in conflict prevention. Because here, like in July, it explicitly showed us how Boko Haram is making money from fishing in the Lake Chad area, you know, controlling the fisheries, fishing business, collecting tax, intimidating people, and using the income they make from this to augment, uh, you know, continue with their with their, um, yeah, their campaign of terror. But the interesting thing also from the discussion I learned was that people are willingly embracing Boko Haram in, in the Lake Chad in certain communities. And the reason for this is basically because they are making promises of providing public goods that the government is not providing. So you now see again the importance of socioeconomic livelihoods in fighting and combating terrorism or any other crime. So whilst the use of armament is welcomed, whilst the improvement in law enforcement is welcome, you welcomed, you must, for it to be sustainable, you must complement it with ensuring that the necessary provisions are in place to support people to be able to make ends meet. Otherwise, the temptation is there apart from being intimidated into joining insurgent or militant groups, people can also willingly, with the promise of a better life, buy this insurgent, which sometimes they might have money. And finally, we are in December, where you're hearing a recap of everything we have done in 2022. And it is on this note that I want to, use this opportunity to thank you again for, 
for listening to us. Um, yeah, for always being here because the truth is, because of you, we're still going. I think um, perhaps if if, um, if if we check and see that nobody is listening, we probably would not be encouraged to carry on. But we started this in 2019. And so far, we have had more than 5,000. Yeah, I think we started in 2019, August or so. And to date, we've had more than 5,000 listeners. And that is amazing for a podcast by, you know, these two individuals, these two young ladies <laughs> that are just doing their things without advertising, just doing it because they enjoy doing it, just because they enjoy bringing the knowledge about um, oceans and African geopolitics to our listeners and importantly to burst some of the stereotypes we have about Africa or people might have about the continent itself and and this is what is motivating us and, and on that note I want to say thank you so much for listening and we hope we see you in 2023 we have so many good things planned next year and we are going to reflect on that next year. And we actually also have some interesting podcasts as well coming up, as I mentioned earlier. So please do keep supporting us for our part. I can speak for myself because Zihia is not here. For my part, you can be guaranteed that I will keep you know, ensuring that we have episodes to share with you. I will keep making good trouble. I will keep finding a way to get in the way because that's why we're here. And people do not have to agree with me or my views. But so long as they provide evidence to counter my view and do it respectfully, I don't have a problem with that. I will only have a problem when people sort of try to put down what you do without providing evidence. Well, I can't do anything about it. So, (laughs) yeah, so actually I can't do anything about it. So really I can't do anything about it because people would do what they do. But thank you so much um, for listening, for always being our guest and always tuning in. I'm going to say bye now and go and enjoy some more sunshine, (laughs) beautiful Luanda, before I head back. So thank you so much and have a great, have a great Christmas holiday and a beautiful, a beautiful, peaceful, hopeful 2023 or hopeful new year. Take care. You've been listening to Ife Okafe Yawood. See you soon.